0: Buddy, welcome to Reality Rehearsal. This is the podcast where I talk about movies and TV shows, and probably music. I'll probably talk a lot about music. Um, but I finally have some time on my hands to get this thing started because I don't have any school, um, and all of the things that I could be studying for uh, got canceled this morning because I was in the IB program. There is no more IB exams, everything is canceled. So I'm just, I'm vibing. There is a, there's an Elsa and Anna Frozen Band-Aid on my foot because despite spending 99% of my time inside um, completely immobile, I still managed to get a blister on my foot somehow. So she's here, um, she is covered up by the heroines of Disney's Frozen. I think that's pretty neat. During my just absolutely insane amount of free time um, I've been watching a lot of M.A.S.H. I had never watched M.A.S.H. before. Um, I started watching it yesterday I think days aren't real anymore, Um, but I'm already Somewhere in the midst of season two. Um, I really like it and it's been reminding me how much I like um, Media about war like like fictional media about war because i don't know i really like learning about more of the societal and cultural effects of war and so things like mash or like war movies which i'm about to talk about um things like that are just really interesting to me because there's so much more about the people involved than any like textbook that i could read because the textbooks obviously they try to talk about the cultural impact and societal impact and the impact on like the average citizen and the soldiers that were involved, um, but the the ultimate goal of a textbook is to teach you the names of the battles and where things happened and the decisions that the big government men. Made, um, and I'm I'm pretty much like a staunch revisionist when it comes to history, and so that stuff just is not interesting to me. Um, but the stuff that they talk about in historical fiction about war is very interesting to me. And if you can find the right books, there are books like that um, that are like nonfiction. But that's not the point of this. Um, the point is is that I want to talk about war movies, and specifically the war movie of the hour. Um, I think the war movie of the century, even though we were only 20 years into the century, uh, 1917, Um, because it's been getting so much acclaim, which it deserves, um, and so much hype, which it deserves. And I watched it with my family in theaters. I watched it twice in one day, which was very fun. Um, I went and saw an afternoon showing with my parents, and then an evening showing with all of my friends, and that was just spectacular. Yeah, but after watching it with my parents, I've been in like an ongoing debate with them about whether or not it's actually a war movie. Um, because I personally think that it just, that's not what it is. That isn't what that is. It's not a war movie. Um, but a, a lot of the people that I talk to seem to think it is. So I want to talk about why I think that it's not. And before I want to I get into all of this and I start talking about my opinions about how movies portray war, I do want to add in the disclaimer that i've i've never been to war i'm a small child in a very sheltered life um i just have consumed enough media about the cultural impacts and about the impacts on soldiers that war has um i don't necessarily feel that i'm like the most qualified person to talk about it but i have i've done my research uh i am not going into this just making blanket statements that aren't backed up by anything that i've learned um i've done a lot of research i've done so many like school presentations and just uh fun stuff like this for me about like um ptsd in world war one and like the effects that the war had on modernist authors and things like that so i do want to provide that disclaimer that i i kind of know what i'm talking about but i don't like know what I'm talking about, you know? Okay, let's get into it. Um, first of all, I want to talk about the sort of format that war movies tend to follow, because, um, the ones that I've seen follow a pretty typical format, um, which is that there's, there's always three, no, first, it's always inspired by true events. No one makes war movies about things that didn't happen in an actual war. Um, no one's just, like, making up wars. Uh, because that would be t- science fiction, typically. Um, the point is war movies trademark are inspired by true events. And there are usually like three characters that are sort of the the central players um, in every war movie. And the first one is like the newbie, the guy who's like a little inexperienced, he hasn't been in the trenches for that long. or if he has been, he hasn't had a very high rank and hasn't been trusted with a lot. Uh, in the time that he's been there. So he's, he's, he's the new guy. Lots of movies focus on the new guy because th- that's what people relate to a lot of times. And then his friend or comrade, partner, or whatever is usually a guy who is a little more experienced and just disillusioned as hell. Um, like, he is just so sick of being in the war. Uh, he, he knows that there is no glory in any of it, um, and he's trying to impart that wisdom onto the new guy. And then somewhere in the mix of other characters, there is the one guy who is, like, weirdly into the war. And he's like, this is great. I I love being here. Which you don't really see in 1917, um, but I feel like there are a couple characters who fill that void um, in 1917 where the character who's really into war should be. Uh, and it's not- it's the characters who are, like, even more, um, disillusioned than Schofield. because uh, in this case, in 1917, Blake is the newbie and Schofield is the disillusioned comrade. <laughs> I'm gonna keep using comrade. None of them are communists, but I'm gonna keep using it. Um, and I think that either Benedict Cumberbatch's or Andrew Scott's character could fill the void of a guy who likes war, um, just because- they are the guys who are most closely associated with the actual war in the movie. I don't know. You can, you can tell me I'm wrong about that. But all, these characters are all together. They're all in vaguely the same boat. And there is some sort of very stressful clock that is ticking down to either a bunch of casualties or the end of whatever war the movie is based on or a major battle. Um, so that's the gist of most war movies in my experience, that's just, that's how they all seem to roll, um, and, like, there's nothing wrong with that, and obviously they're all based on true stories, um, so I'm not gonna, like, poke holes, or poke fun at any of, like, the character archetypes, or plot structure, or anything like that, but I do war movies rub me the wrong way a lot of the time because the way that these characters are set up and the situation is set up feels either bordering on propaganda or just propaganda where it's the ultimate goal of the movie the ultimate thesis of the movie is to tell you that ultimately the battle that was fought was good um or that the fact that the war happened was either necessary or a good thing or like our guys came out on top. So it was all it was all great. I feel like even if war movies don't explicitly say that, it's like a very weird implication where you watch a movie where it seems like war is bad, but then war is secretly actually good. And I wanna I wanna highlight some of these, Differences that I've noticed like the very subtle differences by comparing 1917 to We Were Soldiers Which is a movie about the Vietnam War. It's starring Mel Gibson. I had to watch it in my history class But I actually I really enjoyed it Um, and I think that it is a very good war movie But it is a war movie and 1917 is not um, Because war movies are focused around the general idea that the war was either necessary or a good thing or should have happened um, and movies that are not war movies, but about war, focus on, are kind of the antithesis of that idea. Because if if you watch a movie about war, it's either going to be like, great, let's do more of it, or it's going to be like, please, please, please stop. Um, and I feel like very few movies are on the side of please stop, but 1917 is. So, I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk about it now. (laughs) Um, So the first thing that I noticed about 1917 um, that really made it stand out to me as not a war movie and not promoting war or even like really showing the kind of war that war movies typically do is how isolated it was. There were just no other viewpoints in 1917. Like, it was it was just the two guys. It was just Blake and Schofield. And occasionally they saw other guys, but they were all on the same side, and they were all in the same boat, and they all vaguely had the same opinions about war. And while that might seem like a bad idea um, in a movie that's against war because you're only getting one side, and so you're not seeing how war affects more than just those people, I think that you are seeing how war affects more than just Blake and Schofield and, um, England, because it's really, like, it's a very, it's a very, like, lonely experience to watch 1917, um, and I, war seems like a very lonely thing, because uh, even though you're with all of these other guys, like, you can't get too close, because, like, ever, everyone's gonna die, um, and that's a very prevalent thing, in 1917, where there is a sense of camaraderie, but it's very surface-level camaraderie, and so like no one actually makes a deep connection except Blake and Schofield, and then whoops, Blake dies. Uh, spoilers. So it's just every every attempt to make a human connection, um, just backfires or does not work at all. And I'll get into that a little later because that's like the main thing that I think sets 1917 apart. Um, but the the point is is it's very isolated you don't get any other viewpoints it's just two guys um in this horrific environment and you don't see anyone else and it's just like the one story and you don't ever get to zoom out and get a wider lens of it because the the guys involved didn't get to do that uh so neither should you as the audience um and that's very different from we were soldiers because in we were soldiers there is quite a bit of focus on um the wives of the soldiers at home. There's, like, a few key wives <laughs> who who have their own little storyline going on. And then, sorry if you hear, like, weird noises. My parents are cooking downstairs. Um, and then you also have a couple of scenes that are focused on the Vietnamese perspective of this battle that's about to go down, and they're, like, planning it. And I, I believe at one point they take one of the American soldiers prisoner, and so there's, like, a whole thing around that i don't i don't quite remember um but the point is is that you see the vietnamese perspective and you see the perspective of the people at home in america um and that's great that you do get to zoom out and get a wider picture and you get to see the perspective of the enemy and the perspective of they're not neutral but like you get some sort of non-american soldier perspective um from the wives but in we were soldiers it feels like the creators were more of bringing in external evidence that supported their thesis about war um and i believe that the thesis is that the war was ultimately good um because the scenes focused on the wives were while they were about them struggling to deal with life without their husbands it was also about them finding friendship um with each other and about them like gaining independence and running a household by themselves so there was that like subtle implication that war was good for the people in america and then even though they did focus on the vietnamese side um the movie is still about the vietnamese uh killing a bunch of americans and one of the biggest american casualty battles in the vietnam war so um you can't say you can't say that those things were brought in to act as counterclaims for the idea that america's involvement in the vietnam war was a good thing in my opinion i just feel like you can't say that those were um counterpoints to anything that was happening in the storyline involving the american soldiers so moving on to the second point um which is something that makes me like some war movies more than other war movies um is the idea of authority so it's like who's in charge and who gets to, uh, make decisions and who stands up to the people who make decisions in a particular storyline of a war movie. So what struck me in 1917 as being very different from any other movie about war that I've seen, um, is that no one is shown as, like, a genuine authority figure, which was very interesting. Like, you have Benedict Cumberbatch, um, but he doesn't have that much power. He really just does what he can. He calls off the battle, but he's right when he does his whole speech about like there's just going to be another thing like this, like this is just I just have to keep on carrying out these orders and keep on sending these people into battle and into these trenches. Um and Schofield is like, "You know, you're right. There really isn't anything you can do about that." And Benedict Cumberbatch is like, "Yeah, um, and that's that's basically the entirety of the confrontation with authority in the movie. Um, and it's very much not a confrontation with any sort of authority. Uh, so that was really interesting for me. And then also, like, just the amount of time that it takes uh, Blake and Schofield in any of their locations where they're looking for someone with any authority to find anyone, um, because there's the whole there's like 10 minutes where Schofield is like running through the ranks and like running through the trenches and he's like where is the man that I need to talk to and everyone's like I I don't I don't know uh up there maybe and they like keep sending him like he works his way up the ranks of talking to different ranked officials um until he finally gets to the rank that he's supposed to be at and so it's just it's interesting where even if there is an authority figure who holds like any sort of power which is a very small amount of power um in the trenches like it's so hard to find him and he like has such little sway um it seems because it takes so long to find him i don't know that was very interesting for me um and it was very different from my experience watching we were soldiers because in we were soldiers uh mel gibson just outright has authority like it's about him training soldiers and leading this group of soldiers like he is an authority figure and it is about him um and not only that he also isn't the be-all end-all authority like there are people above him who are giving him orders but he has some level of contact with them and some degree of contact with them and therefore the ability to sort of wrestle with them and argue with them and so Um, In my opinion, We Were Soldiers presents the idea that there was a degree of choice um, in the ranks, because Mel Gibson has authority and so he can make the decisions, um, and also he has the chance to argue with people above him and like contest these ideas that are being sent down to him, where in reality... um, in the reality that's presented in 1917, the war is created by this group of people that the soldiers just never see and never have any contact with. And so they're fighting this war that they had no authority in um, and no authority in the creation of or the strategies of. They're just they're just there. They're just kind of along for the ride and they don't really have a choice. Um, and so that distinction between 1917 and other war movies is really cool um, because obviously there are War movies where you don't really see the higher-ups and you don't really see any authority figures. But even with that, there's always this idea that decisions can be argued and decisions can be contested or even disobeyed. And Blake and Schofield, to my recollection, like they never disobey any orders. Um, they just follow them because they don't really have anything else to do. And I think that that distinction is a very important one. Um, and then the last thing, And the biggest thing that I enjoyed about 1917 and the point that I think about and try to bring up um, when I'm talking about whether or not 1917 is, like, a a war movie trademark TM symbol um, is this idea of how kindness and how, like, humanity is rewarded in different war movies. Um, Because in 1917, it just is never rewarded like it nothing not good ever comes out of schofield and blake being good people um which was a big thing for me watching the movie like when they try to help that um german pilot uh blake gets killed uh and schofield ends up having to kill the pilot that they were trying to help and then when schofield is helping that french woman like he doesn't get anything for it um like he gives away his his little flask of milk and then he like has to run out and get shot and he still has a head wound and he didn't get any real respite from the war that he was fighting um like it's just nothing that they do that is kind gets any recognition or has any real lasting like good benefits for them or other people um and that's just something that really stood out to me because they're not telling you that they're not presenting this idea that war lets you maintain or even elevate your humanity which is what i get a lot from other war movies so like in we were soldiers um one of the biggest things in the big climactic battle scene that they focus on visually is that mel gibson is the last man out of the valley of death and he is the last guy getting on that chopper and he is the last person to leave and so that's presented as a big heroic act and therefore it's presented that Mel Gibson, in fighting this war, has made himself a hero and sort of become this heroic figure and elevated the amount of humanity and compassion that he had before that battle took place. Um, And the problem is... So the whole movie is about him helping and caring for other people. Uh, But the problem with that that I have is that it... Pays off at the end, basically, like not completely, um, but in effect it pays off by making him a better person and he gets recognized as a hero. And so the people watching end up associating heroic actions like what Mel Gibson does with the idea of war and being in battle. And yes, heroic actions happen in war, obviously, everything is based on a true story, so every heroic thing that happens in a war movie is like it happened people became heroes and did heroic things however 1917 shows that even those acts of heroism are always at the expense of just humanity and this idea that we should be kind to other people because there are so many times where schofield tries to do something heroic and it just it doesn't work um like he stops the people from going into battle but everyone is still injured Or dying um, and he still has to talk to Blake's brother and tell him that Blake is dead and so it's just he never he never gets anything out of the goodwill that he has because war inherently doesn't like goodwill and doesn't like humans to express any sort of humanity and 1917 shows that really well which is why I think that it is not a war movie because war movies focus on how the thesis of a lot of war movies or one of the theses of a lot of war movies for me is like even in tragedy like war humanity still prevails um and because humanity still prevails war can be ultimately good or ultimately necessary and good things can come out of war um whereas 1917 says humanity can be preserved during war um but you have to really You have to really work for it because war is inherently trying to kill humanity. And if not like in the form of bodies, then in the form of the humanity of specific people and like the sense of goodwill and kindness and friendship with people from a different country or on the other side of the war. Um, So that's why I think that 1917 is not a war movie. It is just a really good movie about war. And if you agree with me... Um, I want to be able to give you, like, uh, a whole list of other war movies, or movies about war, um, that you can watch that are the same as 1917 and have the same sort of vibe. Um, But I thought really hard, and the only other one that I could think of was Joyeux Noël, um, which, granted, is one of my favorite movies. Like, it is an amazing movie, and if you liked 1917, absolutely watch Joyeux Noël. It's about... In World War I, um, there were a bunch of like illegal ceasefires between Christmas Eve and New Year's Day, uh, where people on both sides of the trenches on, I believe, the Western Front. I don't know which front. Maybe it was both of the fronts. It focuses on one particular segment of front um, where all sides of the war just stopped fighting and they like partied for a while for christmas and then they all got shot down by their superiors um it's it's a really great movie but it's the only other one that i could think of that has the same ideas and presents the same claims as 1917 does so that's it that's the podcast um i hope that you enjoyed it i hope that i didn't i was coherent enough for people to understand what i was trying to say i do have a recommendation for this episode, and it is the book that I am currently reading, which is Gay Berlin by Robert Beachy, Um, which is one of the books that I think does a really good job of focusing on the societal and cultural impacts of wars or motion towards war on just, like, the people, um, and doesn't really talk that much about the battles or names or prominent political figures at the time. Um, it just focuses on the development of gay culture during the weimar republic uh which is very cool and a subject that i'm very interested in Um, and it's written really well it's a very comprehensive study um but not in a way that feels exhausting um or even exhaustive like it does feel like you could do a lot more research on your own after you read it if you'd like which i'd like and i will probably do um but i really like it and you should read it and that's all i have again i hope you enjoyed if you want to hear more of my voice or see some of my face or read more of my words um you can follow me on awalkingthesaurus.tumblr.com you can follow me on uh, Thesaurus on twitter you can follow me at awalkingthesaurus on instagram everything is the same Um, and you can follow this podcast for more of this exact same stuff coming up